Our text tonight is found in the 46th Psalm, Psalm 46, and I'll read verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. In the Hebrew, the word for Psalms simply means praises. We know this book was essentially the song book or the hymnal for the Hebrew people. They would sing or they would even chant the words from this hymnal as they gathered together to worship the Lord. When the Old Testament uh, was translated into Greek, the language of the day of Jesus, it was called the Septuagint, and the word for Psalms in the New Testament actually refers to the plucking of a stringed instrument, like an accompaniment instrument. So it was very much involved with their worship and their song. Psalms addresses every major Old Testament event, creation, the flood of Noah's day, God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the giving of the Torah or the law, the promised land, the the Davidic covenant, the temple, Jerusalem, the Babylonian captivity, and, and really the list could go on. Now, we know that that King David, he he was quite the harpist. He probably was quite the singer as well. He wrote at least 73 of the 150 songs. Other writers included Asaph, Solomon, some names not so familiar, Heman, Ethan, of course, Moses. And there there was the sons of Korah referenced 10 times, uh, which includes here the 46th Psalm, our text. Now, Korah, he was a cousin of Moses. There was a a revolt that he led very spectacularly. It was diminished because the earth opened up and swallowed up Korah and all of his buddies. But his three sons, Aser, Elkanah, and another name difficult to pronounce, Abisaph, they were survived, and over time they led the worship of the temple sacrificial system. And if we look at the opening of the 46th Psalm, at the very beginning, it says to the chief musician. That was probably the worship leader of the day. It says for the sons of Korah, we might say uh, the music leaders. And it says the song of Amoth, which was apparently some musical term. There's varying views on what that refers to. Now, There are two views on this particular psalm. Some believe that it refers to the deliverance of Jerusalem in the days of Judah, King Hezekiah. And then another view is that this psalm is prophetic. It refers to the tribulation period. Now, if we look at the first verse, it says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. That word trouble means affliction, distress, or tribulation. When Jeremiah wrote about the time of the tribulation in Jeremiah 37, he says, Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It shall even It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. That same word is used that's used in the psalm here, but he shall be saved out of it. The purpose of this seven-year period that's coming is to turn the Jewish people, the offspring of Jacob, back to God. The purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish people. The purpose of the tribulation is for the Jewish people to point to and look to the one they have rejected for 2,000 years. 
The prophet Zechariah wrote, And they shall look upon him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his firstborn. Their realization is coming. The understanding of whom they have missed is coming. And if we read in this 46th Psalm, we see a very tumultuous and chaotic time on earth. He says in verse 2, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. In verse 3, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. In Revelation, we find there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. But we have a hope that we don't have to be here. We can be saved now. We can look to Jesus Christ now as our Messiah and ultimately be delivered from the wrath to come. In this next verse, we find this hope in verse 4. He says, there is a river. We can experience that river now on our knees on earth. We can drink of this uh, water in a spiritual sense. He says, the streams whereof shall make me glad. He goes on to say the city of God. Imagine the reality one day where we sit down by the banks in the city of God and we drink of that river in the new Jerusalem. The holy place, he says again in that fourth verse, of the tabernacle of the Most High. In verse 5, he says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. You see, the earth can be moved. The mountains can be moved. Nations can move. Kingdoms can move. Borders can move. But God never changes. God is dependable. The Lord is unmovable. The Lord will never let us down. People will let you down. The closest to you may let you down. But God is a guarantee to never let us down for those that are his children. In verse 6, he says, The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Judgment's coming. It has to come because God is just. We are very close, we believe, at the very threshold, the final hours of human history as we know it. The time of man is coming to a close. The day of the Lord will come. We believe it is at hand. There is more written in the scriptures about that period of time, the period of time of the end, than any other period of time in human history. In God's word, the time of the end, the Lord must judge. In verse 8, he says, come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. The earth will be unrecognizable, unimaginable. In verse 9, he says, he maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. The Lord. Jesus Christ, at his revelation, he will come down with power and glory. And he will come with vengeance, the Bible teaches us. But we have a promise in verse 10. And, and, and it's more really than a promise. It's, it's, 
It's an assurance. It's, it's sort of a commandment or a declaration. We might say and it's, an, it's an exhortation. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's no secret that we live in an ever-increasing and fast-paced world today. Technology, the digitalization of everything, trending words like AI, metaverse, crypto. These are signs that the tribulation is at our very doorsteps. In 2019, there was a, a study from Harvard University that I read some of, and it was titled, No, It's Not Just You, Why Time Speeds Up As We Get Older. It actually found that when we're younger, the neurons in our brain work faster and more efficiently. So they capture more data, or we might say frames per second, in the same amount of time compared to when we get older. It all makes sense now. So we have more memories from when we were young because we captured more data when we were young than we were when we were older. So because of this, time seems to run s- slower in our minds relative to when we were older. We have more memories when we were young. Now, if this song is in relationship to the judgment of, of the revelation of Christ, there's coming a day where, where time's going to stand still, we might say, for the world. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he come, cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Imagine the world at that day, at that moment. The Bible says, Every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, the Jewish people, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. At that moment, at that time. The world will have no choice. Every human that is alive on earth will look on the one who was pierced. They will look on the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he comes back with vengeance. The entire earth will know that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. But before that time, we must all on our own accord be still and know that God is God. Because we want to be on his side. Over a lifetime, we spend 90,000 hours working. On average, an American will spend nearly nine years on their phone. We spend about six years of our lives in school. We spend about 32,000 hours of our life eating. That's one of the best parts. And don't we always look to get something done faster? We want our internet connection to be faster. We can listen to a a podcast at two times or even more the speed of the original recording. When we travel, don't you ever wish the plane could maybe go twice as fast? Haven't they been traveling about the same speed for 50 years now? What's the holdup? Of course, America came up with the whole idea of fast food. Hasn't turned out very good. When, when we drive to church, if I hit every light green and I take a few back roads, I can get here in about 10 to 12 minutes. But on average, it takes more like 15. So none of us like sitting in traffic. But each year seems to go faster as the kids go back to school. We have two in high school this year. 
I wonder where is the time gone? But I do believe that the Lord would have us to be careful. I believe that the Lord reminds us to slow down and focus on that which is eternal. That which will last. That of which time cannot touch, we might say. How much time really do we spend on our knees? Being still and knowing that God is God. How much time do we spend in God's word? It's, it's one thing to read a scripture, read a, a chapter, and it's yet another thing to devour and feast on the word of God. To meditate on God's word. To thoroughly understand in a spiritual sense and, and, and bathe in God's word. Standing still, being still and knowing that God is God. When everything is around us that is temporal, we're saturated with that which is temporal, that which won't last. But we want to make sure that we spend time in God's presence. How else can we get an answer to prayer? How else can we get an experience from God? We talk about and we pray about and we testify about wanting to receive the deeper things of God or or a touch from heaven. We must spend time in God's presence. We must be still in the presence of God. The one who stands outside time itself, the one who spoke and created time as we know it. We want to spend time with him. We want to delve into his word. When we get hungry and serious with the Lord, everything around us stops. Everything else around us becomes secondary. Really, in a sense, nothing else matters. We find that we begin to get hungry. We begin to, begin to get thirsty. It's not a question on whether or not we're going to read God's word or spend time in prayer, spend time being still in the presence of God. We want to be at that spot. We want to be at that place because we know that will matter forever. I know that you are God, we might say, because the Lord, you saved me. I know you are God because I can point back to a time and a place where I needed a healing touch. And because of the stripes of Jesus Christ, a miraculous touch was given to me. I know that you are God because you forgave me, because you sanctified me. I know that you are God because we can look out at God's beautiful creation that he's created so wonderfully. I know that you are God because... You met me in the car on the way to work. Or you met me at home by my bedside when I needed to get a prayer through. I know that you are God because we feel his presence here in this place tonight. And that's what's important. Yes, the psalmist, he says, be still and know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted among the heathen. And yes, he will. One day I will be exalted in the or in the earth. Excuse me. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The same God that made that promise to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob has made a promise to you and to me. A promise that today is the day of salvation. A promise and a prayer that you can be sanctified entirely. A promise that the Holy Spirit is available for you. Available for the church today. Available that we might be workers in the vineyard of Christ. 
We want to be still. We want to stand in the presence of God. We want to experience the Lord and God will do that for you. What do you need from the Lord tonight? Be still around the altars of prayer. The Bible talks about how the Lord will enter his temple suddenly and that we are the temple of God as Christians. And sometimes when we're at that driest point, when we're seeking God, that's when the promise comes. That's when the blessing comes. That's when we can be encouraged that we feel like that rushing mighty wind will come and you will be filled because you've consecrated. You've done everything that you know to do and God will let you know that he is God. And that's what we want to experience. We're going to have an opportunity tonight to spend time personally with the Lord, to experience him, to go over our past experiences, maybe on our knees in prayer, but make sure things are afresh here tonight and focus on what really matters. The song is 548. Let's come out and pray. Be still and know that God is God.